Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we speak with Brandon McDonald, who's the CEO of Fireweed Zinc. They're a TSX V Explorer. They do have a PEA in place. Uh, have pretty much run out of money and will need to raise money imminently, just enough to get them through to the next year because with a market cap of 11 million bucks, they're significantly down on their heights from 2018. We talked to him about his business plan and strategy to get through the next year. He's a fairly candid ex-banker, uh, quite enjoyed the conversation. There is a plan if they can get funding. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy the podcast. Hey, Brandon, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing all right. How about you? Not bad. Hold up here in England, waiting for this whole thing to blow over. What about you? Yeah, same uh, here at home with uh, the wife and a six-month-old and a three-year-old. So, oh, boy. Uh, Oh boy. We are perpetually on the on the like the the knife's edge from turning into Lord of the Flies here. I, I, um, I can feel it from here. <laughs> but we're surviving. Wow. Well done. Well done. Uh, I keep saying these things, but I, that, those are times I don't particularly miss. I have to I have to admit. Um, right. Well, why don't we get uh, stuck into one minute overview and then we'll pick it up from there. Sure. So Fireweed Zinc is a Canadian listed uh, zinc lead silver exploration development company. Our flagship projects, the Macmillan Pass project in Yukon Territory, Canada. Uh, big resource, one of the largest zinc-led resources in the world held by a junior. Uh, so about 11 million tons indicated, 39.5 million tons of fur at about 10% zinc equivalent. Um, but we've seen a huge amount of you know, upside potential since then. We've drilled some new zones that are outside the resource that have had some incredible intercepts. Hmm. Uh, so that's broadly you know, what we're looking at. You know, Big base metal project getting bigger big getting bigger share price hammered market cap yeah 11 million yeah yeah you know and it's 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 absurd you know I, I look this if you waste money then your project's worth nothing but but I think our project is worth something and there's probably been about a hundred million spent on the project so to be worth 11 million is kind of like a like a Okay, like there, there becomes a point of of comedy almost if you could if you can look on the light side of it like a I don't <laughs> like it is what it is right so you you work with the market you got yeah well it's it's, it's a comedy unless you're holding shares so what I'm yeah. gonna say is zinc's in a tough place at the moment the market's in a tough place at the moment you are I know you've got a PEA but effectively you're still advanced exploration in my mind mm -hmm. so let's talk about the plan, because if I, if I can work out what your plan is, maybe I can, you know, overcome some of these market conditions and think, well, this is a this is an un truly underpriced uh, stock, which I think most CEOs would, would would claim. So, if you don't mind, let's talk about that. What did you set up? How long have you been involved? First of all, actually, Brandon, I've been involved since inception. So, right. Fireweed was in incorporated as a private company in 2016, and then went public in 2017. Right. So, you, it sounds like you did a lot very, very quickly, and then it's been a, a case of the last 18 months has kind of been in a slow period. So, let's just talk about what you set out to do. So, day one, what was the plan? So, day one, we bought the asset or the core of the asset, about 54 square kilometers of ground um, from Hud Bay. Uh, this was the Tom and Jason deposits. Hud Bay had had uh, Tom since the 50s, mm. and they had bought Jason in 2005, which itself had been discovered in the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, the The combined resource of those two from 2006 
was about 30 million tons. Um, so we thought, you know, we thought there was some upside there. We thought HUD Bay was overestimating the um, logistical concerns of the project because it, it is remote. Um, so we bought it off them um, and, uh, or at least secured an option to buy it off them, went public, uh, did a bunch of work, updated the resource, which gave you those numbers that I quoted earlier. Um, did a PEA, which showed very, you know, intriguing potential numbers. Um, and then, you know, closed the deal with HUD Bay, owned 100% of it. Meanwhile, we had been picking up ground around there because we had kind of felt that there was a district thesis, you know, which I know is kind of a common line. Okay. Um, well, but, but, so, so but, but tell me, what, what was the plan? So you, you said, right, there, there's an asset, we'll buy it, we'll set up, a, we'll raise some money, we'll set up a, a, a company, we'll take it public, right? But but what was the game plan here? You take it up to a certain stage. I mean, you're an ex-banker, you're a Macquarie guy. Yeah. So what's in your head in terms of the, the monetization event? Well, we thought, look, look, if 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 our you know initial gut feeling and it's more than a gut feeling, it was due diligence was that this asset is worth more than what HUD Bay selling it to us for. And we can prove that up and mature the asset. There should be a taker for it. Um, but at the same time, your best credible alternative bid is building it yourself. You know, our, our chairman sold uh, Kamenak uh, Gold Corporation to, to Gold Corp for 500 million, another project in Yukon. And they were proceeding as though they were intending to build it. And that actually that ownership of, of the long-term problems has helped what give, you know, gave uh, Gold Corp confidence. So yeah, look, uh, like all junior mining companies, the intent was was hopefully to to monetize it. And there was an awareness internally, you know, you talk about when I was at Macquarie, when you're across the table from someone who's a fundamentally an exploration style person, and they're asking for a $500 million check. And it's like, well, first fire yourself, second, replace you and your entire team with people who can build a mine, right? So I, I've known that, um, if this becomes a mine as fireweed, um, I, it's possible that I'm still CEO, but I would certainly need a, an absolute rock star, credible COO to back me, right? Right. Okay. So you're realistic. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I like that. I like that. Um, so let's come back to where you are today. Can we talk through some numbers first of all? You bought this thing. So how much? Give me some of those numbers. You. you what have you paid? What have you spent? Uh, so we gave uh, HUD Bay a million in cash uh, and then 15% of the company on a fully diluted basis when we completed the earn-in, which was 2018. And there was a modest work commitment, about mm -hmm. a million and a half to get to that point as well. Um, and then we spent, um, we still have active options surrounding there, but we also bought a neighboring property off tech, uh, mm -hmm. which was for about 5% of the company. Um, which is about 2 million shares um, in 2008, late 2018. So after the, the resource update and after the PEA. Right. Um, and then we've spent, we've raised 20 and spent, uh, I think about 14 in the ground on that. Mm -hmm. The rest being uh, GNA and acquisition costs and, and what have you. So where, where are you today? You spent 14, the rest being GNA. Have you got cash yeah. left today? We have a little bit of cash left. What's that mean? Uh, that means not much. Okay. That means uh, cool. hundreds of thousands. Okay. So obviously at today's price, share price, it's either going to be an expensive raise or a small raise. 
or hunker down? What, what are you What are you opting for? Look, it's probably going to be a small race. Um, I, I, you know, look, you could say, well, look, I could I could dilute the snot out of myself and and try to you know force this in these markets. I don't know that if if I was willing to do that dilution. Um, and look, there's a, there's an argument for it sometimes. Um, if I was willing to do it, I don't know if the capital's available. Like at, at 83 cents zinc, I don't have a long line of people willing to write me a check, even at these price levels. That that's just that's just the reality of it, right? I, I it's just not there in the public markets. Um, there's perhaps some alternative financing methods. Uh, you know, you could um, you could look at asset level joint venture or something to that effect. Um, but first, first is to get money in the bank so that you kind of got that monkey off your back and you've got business continuity for at least another year. Because we don't know, you know, like with, with the COVID-19 situation right now, you know, you've got, when you fly into Yukon territory, you've got to isolate for two weeks. So you can't do a rota in a mining camp where people come from home, arrive in Yukon, wait for two weeks and then go into camp. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't work, right? So I'm hoping there's resolution to that before summer, but anyway, so I'm, I'm rambling, but the point is, is that we're just going to raise a little bit. We're going to see how, you know, the, the coronavirus situation plays out, see what appetite there might be for a bigger raise or deal, you know, as we go down this year. You know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's rambling. Um, I, I'd say you've laid out a whole bunch of the options, the, the sorts of things mm-hmm. which are on the table at a board meeting where you go, well, what, what, what can we do? What 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 are we looking at here, guys? And uh, no, I actually appreciate that in, that insight. Um, and, and look, if I if I just may, you know, mm. like in a market like this, mm. uh, you got to look at every tool in your toolbox. Um, and there's some that you might just like your gut instinct is like this is not the right time to sell a royalty or whatever, right? It's like, but take a look, right? Like take a look, you know, t- you know, it doesn't doesn't kill you to to, to run some rough numbers, right? And um, every decision in a market like this is mm. varying degrees of uncomfortable. Um, well, so you have to pick the one that you're that you can deal with the easiest, or, or that you're most uncomfortable, most comfortable in being uncomfortable. The best of a bad lot, I think we say yeah. right here yeah. in the UK. Um, okay, so you, you're looking for a bit of cash, get you through to the end of the year, see what happens, what manifests out of COVID, mm. out of whatever this economic position we find ourselves in. I think people are a bit nervous about that looming as well. Um, and again, being realistic, because you've got some pretty big numbers in there. You took about you know yeah. one of the largest deposits in the world. You've talked about 100 million bucks having been spent on this thing, you know, 14 million, million of it by yourself. So you've got a lot of information about what you have there, but it all counts for a naught in a market like this. Mm-hmm. So. What would you say to existing shareholders? Like, you know, it is what it is. I think you've been quite honest today. Um, yeah. But we, we just got to sit back and, and wait for this thing to come come good. But don't worry, the scale of this thing makes it interesting to who? Yeah, look, you know, prior to, I guess, you know, with our 2018 PEA, I thought this this is a very chunky, healthy project for a mid-tier mm. is, is where our, my thoughts were at. And, you know, we knew that mid-tiers need immediacy. So they need the project to be slightly more closer to shovel ready than it is now. Mm. Um, so look, you know, I would say to investors, look, we're going to have to advance this thing a bit more. Um, that might not happen this year. We're going to unfortunately lose a year uh, unless there's an economic miracle or, or unless I can pull an incredible deal out. Um, 
but there is tremendous value there. And, and this has to be part of the portfolio that you park away and it's not part of your trading portfolio. You cannot, you know, trade our stock right now. It, it has to be one for your long term, you know, thesis. Yeah. So if I look at the I mean, shares that fully diluted 40 nearest down at 45 million shares at the moment, yeah. you, you are going to have to spend how much to actually get this forward to that point where you can interest a mid tier to at least come along, have a conversation about partnering or stepping in in some way. Yeah, I, I think um, the extension of that statement was that, you know, the new kind of rediscovery we made on the ground that we picked up off tech suggests that there may be major sale scale size there. Mm. So we kind of got two hats on and I don't want to kind of avoid your question, but, but let me finish this first. Mm. It, so we're kind of marketing to two different types of miners at once, which is to say the, the fallback is that the project looks great for a mid tier. Mm -hmm. um, but if this new Western zone manifests the level we think it is, then this is a fundamentally a major scale project. Mm -hmm. um, so that that kind of has our strategy bifurcated in that it's like, do we concentrate on de-risking what we have? Do we concentrate on risky exploration, which is cheaper and, and could provide more value, but uh, also is more of a dice roll, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, so we know, like, well, basis on the 2018 PEA, it would probably cost me 50 million to get it to fully shovel ready. Right. Um, so that's that's an eye-watering figure when your market cap is 11 million, right, or 12 million or whatever we're at, um, and that and that's the challenge. Um, so there, like I said, there's multiple ways to skin that cap, but it's apparent with our current valuation that even if the funds were available, which I maintain they may not be. Um, is this something we want to try to do? Do we really want to get into, uh, you know, a, a plethora of in, infill drilling with a valuation like this? Well, well, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, I mean, how could you even let's say the let's say things do recover and you do get back to the sort of market caps you would have seen, let's say, you know, halfway through two thousand and eighteen. It's still it's still expensive, but at that point, you think that the point you're asking for that sort of money. Are you going to know enough about what it is that you've got to be able to say, we think we can get a little bit of debt in this? I mean, I, I, I'm struggling to see how you would. Um, it's all dilution, isn't it? No. Yeah, I, I guess it would be pretty much all dilution. And I mean, I guess the simple math is if you take the 2018 PEA at face value and, and, and there's lots of discussions to have, we can get into it later, whether you think my assumptions are aggressive or conservative whatever or whether mm. there's upside or not but let's just let's just say that the bankable feasibility study and it's a kraken bankable feasibility feasibility study comes out with exactly the same numbers everyone agrees they're credible so there's a 450 million dollar npv after tax um, and the project is shovel ready so i've spent that 50 million to get it shovel ready like if you, if you got a check to build it we can build it um you know the as a function of that NPV, a completely shovel-ready project, you know, should be 0.7 to one times that NPV, right? That's typically, if it's ready to go, what they transact for. And mm -hmm. I'm assuming again we have a healthy market by then. Huge amount of assumptions here, but but I'm 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 trying to build out a case for this. So so completely shovel-ready, the project is worth. Uh, 
somewhere between 350 to 450 million Canadian. Um, we're currently worth 11. So the idea is 11 plus 50 and years is is 350 to 450, right? So you've, you've got room for lots of dilution and still to see upside, but obviously the, the less upside or the less dilution, the more you're going to get. And that's, that, that's a fundamental truism of this game, right? Mm. Um, so that's what I've been telling people. And, and it's like to, to blow our cap structure up now rather than just wait a year kind of really hurts that upside because you're, you're, your EV ends up the same, but your EV per share is is dramatically reduced. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate the difficulty you're in. You're not, you're not the only one. Um, there's lots of companies who didn't raise soon enough. Have you know? Feel you know? Are feeling the pressure now, right? I think you know some of the people who raise money at you know quite dilutive rates before Christmas or even just out immediately after Christmas, they got an absolute beating by shareholders are now looking quite smart in hindsight well hindsight's yeah. a beautiful thing right and, and so is luck yeah and i've i've been clear about this in an interview i did recently that you know, we had a good suspicion that this announced government announcement on our road was coming around pdac mm. um and that was part of what drove us to delay a financing from january to march well, we look like idiots now, <laughs> right? I mean, like, I mean, I guess, I guess if you assume that I could have possibly seen this coming, yeah. obviously having done it in January, I, I was concerned that because we had an inkling this might be happening, if we did a raise in January and then we get this massive transformative announcement, you know, from government funding on the road coming out a month later, yeah. everyone's going to say, you, you knew this, you gave this, this yeah. cheap financing to your buddies, right? So it was kind of just like a... Let's just get it out there, and there was other reasons we kind of one of our shareholders wasn't ready, but yeah, uh, it's like okay, let's let's wait. And, and now, of course, everything's you know we're in a global pandemic. You and I are working from home, and my share price is is cratered, right? So, yeah, hindsight, uh, beautiful, uh, love it, yeah, <laughs> beautiful, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the things you can control. Okay, so I'd like to understand. Yeah. Since the PA, which was like, and that's what, May 2018, right? Since then, yeah. till now, you spent a, a chunk of change. What do you think you've achieved? And again, with that lovely thing, hindsight, what would you have done differently? Yeah, um, you know, 2018, the summer of 2018, after the PEA, we had a pretty big program. We spent about $7.5 on site. Um, it was mostly step out drilling. We were trying to incrementally increase the resource, particularly with a focus on high grade areas. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it wasn't always a kind of myopic session on high grade. You know, we, we termed it engineering led exploration, which is to say that, look, look, if you can add high grade at depth that you know is not going to appear until you're 18, uh, it's not really moving the needle, right? So 2018 and 2019, yeah, we, we chased some high-grade step-outs. We also started chasing some significantly lower-grade stuff that was open pitable. So that was part of it. You know, a lot of our 2018 drilling as well was, was answering geotechnical and geochemical questions around assumptions we had made in the PEA. Um, the, you know, is a three-year open pit transitioning to 16 years underground. Um, but we were really constrained on that three years because of uh, the pit slope angle and the assumption that 100% of our waste rock was going to be acid generating. Um, 
So we want to say, okay, well, are those, is that a fair pit ball angle? Could we be more aggressive? Let's get some geotechnical information out of, out of the pit balls. Um, is that a fair geochemical assumption that 100% of our waste rock is acid generating? Um, it turns out from the drilling we've done, we think we can be a little more aggressive with both. Um, in fact, it's significantly less than 100% of the waste rock could be acid generating, which which really helps you build your pit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of questions like that, which when you, when you have that, you know, I guess when we had that hat on of, of, yeah, look, someone wants this. These are the questions that a mid-tier major are going to ask, right? Because these are fundamental buildability questions, right? But it's like uh, you don't release, you know, fireweed announces 100 meters of non-acid generating rock from surface, right? Like it's nobody, nobody gets excited by that. Um, so, uh, you know, hindsight, maybe more sizzle, but uh, would have made sense. But that's so cynical, too. I don't I don't know. Like we were but, trying to we were. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that but there, there is a, there is a kind of, I guess, a secret source to this in that yeah. depending on where you're you're right. No one's going to get excited or sorry, retail. The market's not going to get excited about, you know, your geological results. Not not really. There's so many yeah. catalyst moments which happened last year for so many companies and no one. They came and went. No one cared. Didn't make a yeah. jot of difference. Right. So I do I do understand that. But again, this is part of the job, your job, CEO's job to understand how you time these. You've got to have you got to understand your audiences, and I guess you, you, if you're targeting a mid-tier to come in and take this thing out, you've got to do the work to allow them to get excited about this, about this geological yeah. component, to have the information they need to work out, is this open, pitable, or otherwise, right? Yeah. But you've also got market conditions where you know you're running out of cash, so you've got to, get, you've got to keep the market pepped up and excited about this. So you do have to create things, and like, you know, someone come along, sorry, the the um, I've got to, got to get this right. The Yukon government agreeing to spend seventy one million bucks on upgrades to a road. It's like, yeah, that's not that exciting. Other than okay, I got the infrastructure and access to to site. You know, because I yeah. guess you thought it was perceived that access was a big problem. So that's waiting for a big announcement. But but again, yeah, in so most cases, so we have do they? Well, we have actually a lot of people did care about that because you know we were kind of maybe architects of our own misfortune there because we um when we did the pea there's an existing road to the project this is called the kennel road it was built during the second world war mm. um it's it's a trail mostly right like you can you, we actually can drive it with heavy truck and trailers mm. uh bring in fuel and and you know tankers and and bring in d7s in the back of trailers mm. you just have to drive slow right um but um, we put in $100 million into our CapEx to improve this government road. Because um, we said, like, look, let, that's a quarter of our CapEx. We said, like, look, it's, it's disingenuous to assume that when we go to break ground, the road's just magically how we need it. Like that it's in a condition that you could have 12 to 15 contracts a day driving up and down it, right? Yeah. Um, so we put that in there. I think that was the right thing to do. You know, there was a project that's adjacent to ours, a, a tungsten project. They did a feasibility study in 2011 and they just ignored it. They're just like, nah, like we just, you know, that, that was a feasibility study. They just assumed it would show up in the right condition. Right. Um, so, and then I, then I kept saying, you know, in our presentations, you can see in our presentations, I don't know if it's in the new one, but some of the older ones, like there's a picture of premier silver from Yukon and, and prime minister, Justin Trudeau, making this announcement on, infrastructure funds from Yukon. And I'm saying like, look, 
we think that this should qualify for government infrastructure funds because this scratches the exact itches that they want to see scratched for these types of funds, right? Mm. It's a net win from them, way, way more tax revenues, royalties, et cetera, than the cost of this road improvement. And I think what happened was people fixated on that. What what became, what was what we were meant to be trying to say was, hey, look, this can get better if the government comes in. And then people, I think, interpreted that as, you need the government to pay for this. This project can't happen without the government. And it's like, no, 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 no. We, we can afford to pay for it. We just would rather not, of course, right? Um, so actually, when the, when the announcement came out, we had a really big bounce you know, when, when we started trading after that announcement. Um, yeah, and subsequently demolished by COVID-19. But I, I think it was something people were, people who followed the stock knew that was big news. Okay. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. That's, that's fine. But you do get my point with regards to how you need to manage mm. message in the market. Because like even the six months prior to that, the news was, I mean, dry let's call it dry it could you know there yeah. wasn't much for people to latch on to there to yeah. kind of get excited about and I, I know zinc's been going through a bit of a rough patch at the moment mm. but nevertheless when you're talking about world class world scale assets which mm. you are and the amount of money that's yeah. been spent on it that people should get a little bit excited about it and you know that we, we, we talk to companies in some well, position lots of the you know a lot and they do try and keep that pep in the market but in the meantime you know and also keep their eyes on the prize which is getting someone to come in and fund this thing yeah and we we you know 2019 our drill program was different than 2018 rather than incremental step outs we decided look we believe this is a district now you know to claim you have a district most people just have a district scale land package and then they say oh look i've got you know 800 square kilometers it's a district it's like well you know that this another couple ingredients that go into that but you know we so we have what we bought off hud bay was tom and jason uh and then also a deposit called end zone which is further up the trend from jason and then the the ground attached to that we got an option then and it trends on to uh the ground we bought off tech um there's this big strike slip fault there that we think is a reactivated fault of the original basin bounding fault and this basin bounding fault we believe was the fluid conduit for uh, the fluids that generated uh, these styles of deposits. Um, so there was mineralization on the ground that that tech had sold to us um, quite a bit. It was just very low grade, right? So it was like massive intersections, 200 to 300 meters of two to two and a half percent zinc, right? So it's like, a, okay, that's that's a lot of zinc, but that's a that's a tough grade to make a go of. So 2019, we, we did some ore sorting testing on it because yeah. we're like, well, look, it, it looks like it's low strip. So the mining cost is going to be manageable. Unlike Tom and Jason, which are classic SEDEX, you know, you get your very fine banded, but it's just so you're not going to sort it. It just, you know, your uh, gang mineral is barite. So there's no density contrast and, and there's no internal spaces. So it's, it's just not sortable. Um, uh, boundary zone is, is, not SEDEX. It's like, uh, like a hydrothermal uh, sphalerite veining, uh, vein breccias, matrix infill, and then sometimes like these big, you know, blowout veins and stuff like that. So um, we're like, yeah, look, so this, although it's 250 meters or two and a half percent, it's more like 80 meters of 5% chopped up. 
So the horse running tests were like very encouraging, very encouraging. So okay, give us those numbers. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, theoretically, this is rejecting or, or <laughs> excluding the fines, which we don't know a lot about. Um, you've got 70% rejection and only 15% zinc loss. Um, so you're basically, you know, massive upgrade. Now that gets probably pulled down quite a bit because you, your fines would go to the processing plant. So until you know what grade your fines are, you don't really know what the final uh, recovery and, and uh, mass pull is. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to do an up, you know, a scaled up study to, to actually figure that out. Um, but so 2019, we decided, all right, look, if we're going to call this a district, let's hit some of our exploration targets. And let's hit the zone that that um, tech sold to us called the boundary zone um, because we want a f- some fresh core to do a full scale sorting test on. Um, because if this if this is a, you know, because, you know, the core of it's kind of 400 meters wide, but there's like one and a half kilometers strike length on these low grade intersections. So so it could be a massive endowment. So we tested a bunch of exploration targets that were not that and and basically whiffed on everyone and then our last two holes of the year last year were at boundary zone and um yeah i mean look they they hit that zone but it was not quite what was expected you know the second hole in particular was 230 meters true width so about 300 meters intersected of four percent zinc from surface um and the first 100 meters of that true width was eight percent zinc from surface so this is suddenly we're like Okay, <laughs> like this was, I mean, and, and so what we had really hit on there was that when you get right at the fluid conduit, you get these massive high grade intersections. So, you know, six meters true width of 42% zinc, right? You know, we had, we had one one meter intersection, um, well, 0.9 meters intersection that was uh, 62.5% zinc, like p- basically pure sphalerite. So suddenly we're like, Okay, so when we put that out, the whole market's like, whoa, this is not what we thought boundary zone was like. And we're like, we had an inkling that might be possible there, um, but the result was still a little bit of a surprise, right? So um, that kind of changed everything because suddenly maybe boundary zone isn't just this low-grade pig. Maybe there's some real high-grade there that you can... So what do you Get do with going, that? See, I mean, you started off just saying we're, we're going to do this or sort of testing because it's yeah. low grade and so forth. And to, to what end? To kind of maybe get that into production a little bit earlier, get that thing financed, then we'll 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 come back to um, the other we didn't two. No, what's, what's the idea? Yeah, I, I guess you know the, the the simplest concept, which was the easiest to bolt on the map, the model from two thousand eighteen. Um, was to say, let's mine it in parallel. We'll campaign that through the mill, you know. So, so we'll upsize the mill, and, and you just cost it on a six tenth rule or something like that, right? Mm. Um, in terms of like this is back of the envelope stuff, right? And I'm trying to give you an idea of where our heads at, yeah. And and um, and that looked pretty good, right? Because it looks like it's a low strip pit. So um, then you you pre concentrate it with with sorting send it to the mill, uh, you process it at a different time than the Tom and Jason stuff, like you campaign it because it's likely to be metallurgically different, although we don't know yet. Um, so it's like, okay, this, this, this makes a significant difference on a very back of the envelope, right? Um, now, is that the optimal approach? Uh, I don't know. You know, like there's a lot of trade-off studies to be done here in terms of 
do you start with pits at Tom and Jason and Boundary and then only go underground when you've exhausted those? Do you do things in parallel? Th this is what the next engineering studies have to tackle, right? And, and I, I straight up, I don't know what the optimal plan is. We, we have some concepts, um, but until you get a sense of what the, the metallurgy is like at Boundary Zone. And also we have to get a resource on Boundary Zone because um, like right now, very, you know, Good amount of drill holes, very low grade, with the exceptional high grade, super high grade bits. Um, we think there's more of both, significantly more of both types there. Uh, but we need to know what it is before you try to figure out what it looks like. Well, it's also you also need to do that because you need to be able to tell people what you're going to be doing. You know, what is the model? You yeah. know, do we do we start a boundary zone because we think we've got the way to, way to monetize this, which may be able, one, it's low capex, maybe, right? Yeah. We're, yeah. The recovery's quite good, we hope, but you know, I know you've got the fines to, yeah. to deal with, but yeah. let's, let's assume all is well there. And you can work out some kind of economics on it, which allows you to get that finance to be able to operate at a margin, which allows you to contribute towards the cost, towards, um, you know, the, 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 other, the other two areas, and then come, come back to them. You know, these there's are models we've seen all around the world, not you know, yeah. in, you know, gold or wherever it doesn't really matter what, com what commodity. But these trade-off studies seem quite important to you. So how? I know it's a bit of engineering required, but again, if we look at this year and we look at the ability to raise, let's hopefully raise some capital this year. How much time, money, effort do those trade-off studies cost, and you know, how do you get to the point where you can make a decision? Yeah, I don't think the trade-off studies cost a lot. I think what what has to precede them though is is more drilling at boundary zone because until you know you know if there's say ten or twenty million tons at that low grade, mm, it's not that interesting, right? Mm -hmm. But but you do some crude math and look if we're talking hundreds, hundred or hundreds of million tons even at that low grade, it's like uh, okay that you know that's that's super interesting that's a huge metal endowment right mm -hmm. so we need to we need to know what we're working with and then the other thing we were kind of looking at at boundary zone was <clears throat> these you know and you can pull the the core photos off uh our presentation on the website but looking looking at it it's obviously not sedex and we're like well what is what is the analogy for this like this this hydrothermal sort of zinc veins and veinlets and breccias and to us it looked like what is the feeder system below red dog what happens is they get this stuff they call vein ore and it, and it comes up and then it hits uh, a cap which is barite the barite acts as a chemical trap and physical trap for the um the fluids and produces the classic sedex you know the real prize at at um at red dog um so you know we have tech you know they sold this property to us and they also invested in us so we chatted to them about this and said look like are we crazy or does this kind of look like lower red dog and and you know normally when a when a junior says you know oh we think we've got something that looks like red dog everyone's going to be deeply suspicious right and and we've always made it clear this looks genetically like it might be like red dog we have no idea of this the scale of red dog is is astounding it is the world's preeminent zinc project we're making no claims to anything like that it was just a genetic relationship right but tech kind of agreed with us like this does look even in terms of multi-phase um, sphalerite and one sort of like uh, cream colored, one very you know dark brown, 
same thing they see there. They're like, this looks really similar. So the theory was, okay, so we have this lower system. Do we have a barite cap somewhere in that area? And we do see barite horizons stratigraphically above the boundary zone. What we don't know is if it's plumbed into that boundary zone style mineralization anywhere. So this, you know, was meant to be the 2020 focus was one drill off the, the vein style stuff at boundary two go looking for uh, intersections of the vein style stuff with barite uh, in that area. Um, now we're left wondering whether we can do anything this year. But, you know, our thinking became, look, if you hit that, that that could be a hell of a prize. Right. Um, and at that point, it's undoubtedly a major scale project. Um, and how much do you need to de-risk it at that point? Because, you know, the, the engineering and stuff that I would do is not the same engineering that a zinc major does, right? They would do it their own way and they don't need you to do a feasibility study because they're just going to take it back to a PEA and redo it their way. So we were kind of excited. We're like, look, this, this may be a, you know, with, with a bit of expiration success, this could be a shortcut. We've got a clear eye to it here. Right. Um, and then the markets happen. So, um, well, back to that, back to that. Yeah. The market has yeah. happened. So the reality is this year is get enough money to kind of keep things ticking over, wait for change. Mm -hmm. And when it does, you seem to know what you want to do, which is, yeah. which is good. And uh, will that, will that timing be right for you? What, what, so what does that timing need to look like? Have you, have you got seasonal issues up there in terms of access? Yeah, I mean, you know, we could, our new drill permit kind of gives us um, all the way from 1st of February to the end of November. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, outside of summer months, it gets trickier for sure, but it's not impossible. Um, preference would be to be drilling June till mid-October. That That's that's your sweet spot. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if, if, if you know, miss money that. comes in or to... Well, yeah, you, you can figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we can do this year, you know, even if the money for drilling is not available to us, you know, we get up there and, and of course, when, when there's ample money, you know, you can't just parallelize some stuff. Some things have to be done, you know, consecutively. Um, so getting up there this year and doing maybe more ground geophysics and, and prospecting and mapping the cheap stuff before we go out and drill those targets we'll make them better targets for when we do get around to drill them right and i again i'm finishing off here i'm sorry to keep you but even with things like that where money's tight i mean do you, do you say well that's still important to do or do you say well actually i know it's cheap but it's still spending money we don't need to spend or are the people sitting around doing nothing in which case let's give them something to do i mean again what's, what's the thought process uh, I guess it depends on how much money we raise, right? Like if it's, we want to be comfortable well into next year, well, well into next year, right? And we want to retain our staff, you know, it, it's, it's, so you got to keep them busy. I think that's a major risk that, that perhaps not everyone realizes, you know, in, in a junior mining company, I, you know, if, if I lose all my geologists and they pick up permanent jobs and then I try to pick up again, uh, everyone who knows the project well is gone. Uh, now uh, they're, I'm, they're relearning the geology. They're relearning the ins and outs of the logistics of our project. Like all the like, like, oh, you know, don't, you know, like weird stuff in the camp. Like don't try to turn this trailer on before that one or, or whatever. Right. Like, um, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's stuff like that that costs you money if, if you don't retain your staff. 
Um, so that, you know, our board and actually some of our investors made it clear that we, we had to make a good effort to retain all the critical people. Okay, and what's the burn, what, what are you burning through at the moment? Um, uh, I th uh, geez, at the moment, I think it's about 120,000 a month, I think. Um, but that could get cut in half on a slow burn if we, you know, if we were determined to do that. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, I've got I've got four geologists to keep on staff, and and you know, rentals of stuff that we can't give back because they're on site, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, and then we've got our water license on site that unfortunately requires a couple hundred grand a year to maintain. You, you do not want to lose your water license, um, so um, that's this is you know the part of part of the the uh, appeal of a big project is big. Part of the downside of a big project is that the holding cost is is non-trivial, right? Yeah. Are you having conversations with any other groups who may be looking at you or that you, you know, met at these trade shows, conferences, or that you may have known from a previous life thinking, well, maybe we want a piece of this and maybe now's the time to step in here with a little bit of cash and take a piece of this company because it's got potential. Yeah. I mean. It's got potential. I think we're, we're having a conversation about yeah. a company which has got a lot of potential, but timing's everything, right? So any, any, any of those conversations yeah. happening? Yeah, and it's kind of weird. Like, uh, you know, I think the last uh, month we've gone from bad markets to like paralyzed markets. Like e even, even the value hunters are mm. like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like don't want to deploy right now, right? Um, and that's kind of, we, we need some... Uh, certainty or at least it to level off for people to start doing that you know we have a tremendous amount of interest in the project huge amount mm -hmm. um but at the same time everyone's kind of taking a step back right now you know you could you could think of things like nobody's going to do a site visit right now you're not jumping on airplanes and going to site mm. um, so all these things kind of slow you down right um, but, but it's a nice problem to have right it, you, you mm. know again we're We've been all been through cycles. I think we're unfortunately old enough yeah. now to have been through a few cycles. But at moments like this, people usually step in. I know we would wait for these tips, and you know, companies in trouble, uh, cash flow wise. And you think, well, that's going to be an interesting conversation because, you know, if they can't see where the end of this is, and I don't think anyone in this market can, they're probably more likely to listen to this because they're going to be thinking of their own salaries. Quite frankly, not not just yeah. about let's protect the company. Um, but you're right, I think there's a kind of paralysis here, fearful of not just COVID-19 and when that's going to end, but in terms of this quantitative easing, these measures are like, yeah. unprecedented yeah. and they're usually never a good thing, except short term. We, yeah, you know, so, we had some, I would say, highly opportunistic approaches. You oh, know, and, cheap and, shots. And, okay. Yeah, and, and the weird thing is that now that our share price has been cut in half in the last three weeks, those have evaporated. Like, it's super weird, like the, the highly opportunistic, like, you know, do I really want to be in bed with these people? They've even they're like, like, oh, I don't yeah. <laughs> so They're They're out now. I don't we weren't going to do a deal with them anyways. You know, part of, you know, management owns 20 percent. Um, you know, and I've told people I can I can replace my salary through consulting gigs. Uh, I cannot replace my ownership in this company if I dilute the hell out of it. Right. So it's uh, I got to protect that. But there comes a point. Luckily, yeah, you're, you're we, not you're not at it. You don't think. 
Yeah, and you got to work with the market you have, right? I mean, like nobody's going to be thrilled if you sign a big deal at the bottom of the market, but do you know you're at the bottom? And is is it a fair deal? Like, does it? Do you think it adds value to investors? I mean, these are all the questions, right? And and I think that you'll only know in hindsight, and even then, you'll never know how the other strategy would have worked out. So people will assume that the alternative strategy would have worked perfectly, but it's like, would it have? Right? Like, so. Uh, yeah, I know. This I, is, yeah, it's, it's 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 a it's a tough one. I think you know we, talked about you, but I've certainly been been on both sides of that one. Where in hindsight, it was the the best deals, the deal on the table, at the time, yeah. you know. But you've got yeah. to wait till you're desperate. There are no other other options, and then that the fact that you can get a deal done, it it, it it's smart. And the same we've come full circle in this conversation where we talked about you know shareholders being upset about you know a couple of companies we've interviewed recently for raising money at the beginning of this year which now looks yeah. like genius um, by comparison so they, um, Brandon thanks thanks for running us through that for the first time I've heard that story I, I do appreciate your candor and the position as you've explained it um, clearly you've got something there but you need to spend a, a chunk of change to kind of get it to the point yeah. where you think you can you need to talk meaningfully to a, a, a mid-tier. Um, so it's a case of markets recovering, zinc recovering, and um, hopefully you know people can get interested in this story and feel, feel there's a deal to be had. But yeah, and that's what I like. You know what I said very near the beginning is, you know, if there's a part of your portfolio you want to park for a couple of years, and and you feel like the base metal market's going to come back. Yeah, I think we're one of the best, if not the best zinc projects out there and certainly aggressively priced, right? Um, I just can't promise that, that this is a six to 12 month investment, right? Perfect, but at least- 24, right? Perfect, at least people, you know, unless you think, again, Frank and honest about where where this sits and how to, how to you know, people position this in their portfolio. I think we've seen a lot of interest in base metals this year. I think that's gonna mm-hmm. be the big one, um, along with gold, so. Good luck with your project. Stay in touch. Thank you very much. Anything happens, anything moves, pick up that phone and let us know, okay? Yeah, we'll do. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.